we're back with Nerd Nebula, episode 13. It's good to be back, baby. Indubitably, yes. Oh, that was a very mm-hmm. sexy was a very sexy opening. They say 13 is an unlucky number, but we've managed to reach 13 episodes and we are steadily growing with each one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we've got quite a bit of things on the agenda today, Jacob. We do. We shall have a brief discussion on the Witcher Netflix series trailer teaser thing that came out about two or three weeks ago, and uh, it honestly took me until now to actually see it. Yeah, yeah. I watched it in full sort of the day that it happened, but I was quite distracted. It didn't capture my attention as much as I'd hoped, but I'm still hopeful for the show. I mean, it's only a teaser. It's mainly just to inform fans that it's happening and this is how it's going to look like, but that's as much as we're going to tell you for now. Yeah, yeah, and they did a good job of that. They didn't give any too much away. They didn't ruin any plot points or anything. Apart from The Witcher, we shall be discussing Comic-Con, the big topic as of late. And with that comes, of course, Marvel, because they just dropped a big-ass bomb with Phase 4 and Phase 5 and whatnot, as well as some other smaller stuff with DC. And I think it's just more for me, but I want to discuss Jay and Silent Bob reboot that is 100% for both of us. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, okay. But we shall get to that when we get to that. Let's dive into The Witcher. Yes, yes. You haven't seen the trailer, or you have. I have, I have. You have, but it hasn't caught your interest. It caught my interest, but not as much as they were hoping it would, I guess. I'm still on the fence about it. I'll, I will watch the series, but... Yep. I'm not going to drop everything and watch it the second it comes out. I am a big fan of the Witcher series, both the games and the books. It started off with the game, and I got really enthralled in it, and then I found out there's a series of books about it, and a few of them had already been translated into English by that point, which was 2007, 2008. So I got really engrossed in the universe. I've been a big fan ever since. But with this Netflix series... I'm on the fence. (laughs) Looks like The Witcher, more or less, but it's just, it doesn't have that oomph. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the biggest problems I have with the trailer, or I would say more with the casting, is Henry Cavill as Geralt. I think he's too pretty to be Geralt. In the books and in the game, well, less so in the games, but in the books, Geralt is described as a very stoic. He's got lots of scars on his face. He's got a very pointy, crooked nose. And, like, he's not the most typically handsome guy. And you look at Henry Cavill as Geralt in the trailer, and he's just like a male model. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was one thing that sort of took me by surprise was the casting of Henry Cavill. I mean, he's a good actor. No one is disputing that. But I feel like he's meant to be, like, battle-scarred and weary and 100% worn out. And I feel like Henry Cavill doesn't, in the trailer at least, didn't do a very good job of portraying that, I guess. In the books, I can't remember which book it is, but there was a woman, I think it was a sorceress, said that women aren't interested in Geralt because of his appearance. They're interested in Geralt because he's interesting and he's really good in bed. (laughs) Like you said, he's wary, he's battle-scarred. Like, he's not someone that, like, if you look at him, you're probably going to get more scared than be like, oh. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've thought while watching the trailer. 
I'm going to have to wait until the series drops. Like you said, no one is saying that Henry Cavill cannot act. Like, he is a great actor. It's just that I'm having trouble picturing him as Geralt for the long haul, like with the entire series. Yeah. As far as other casting, I have a problem with Yennefer. She looks too much like a bit of a, like a, bit of a psycho chick. <laughs> in the books and in the game, Yennefer is described as this picture of beauty. Like, picture the epitome of beauty, and Yennefer is even more beautiful than that. Yeah, yeah. And this one, she seems a bit too young. One of those, like, chicks that has a very shrill voice. I don't know why I kind of had that impression of her. Apart from that, I don't really have a problem with any of the other casting. See, I'm not as invested in this as you are. So I feel like I'm going to go into it with not as many preconceived notions of what it should be. Other than Geralt, obviously, because, I mean, I have played the game. I really enjoyed it. I played a lot of Witcher 2, not so much Witcher 3. You're just missing out on that, mate. I know. I know it's a great game, but I keep seeming to play it on the computer, which I keep losing my save because my computer keeps crapping out. Mm. And then I just don't want to start it again. (laughs) It is a huge undertaking game. It is a huge undertaking. I love the third one so much that I did everything 100%. Like, I went to every single question mark. And even on fucking Skellige, where you have to take a boat out onto the fucking ocean, and that takes fucking ever, I did everything 100%, and it took me about two months. Yeah, yeah. From the teaser trailer, it seems like story starts from the start of the books, where um, Geralt lifts the curse of the princess. She becomes a monster known as a Striga, which is kind of like a werewolf, but it only affects women. And they don't turn into a werewolf, they turn into this, like, hog kind of monster. So it looks like yeah. it's starting from the very beginning, with the second invasion of Nilfgaard, and uh, yeah, that's really all there was in the teaser trailer. Mm, Just like bits and pieces. I'm going to binge the series. There's no question in my mind about that. I'm going to make time that entire night and I'm going to try to binge as much of it as possible. Oh, um, very good. Teaser trailer made me a bit weary, but not so much. I have some doubts. Not that enough it's to gonna... put you off, but enough to sort yeah, of make you yeah. question whether or not you're going to enjoy it as much as you'd like to, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I think I'm away the weekend that it comes out and like busy the night it comes out. So unfortunately, I can't binge it straight away like I would probably end up doing. Let's be honest here. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's too early to tell. Now let's move on to the big thing, which is Comic-Con. And there's a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff at uh, SDCC this year. I have a problem when people call it that because it sounds like a fucking STD, SDCC. It sounds like a fucking sex disease. I hate it when people call it that, so I just call it Comic-Con. Everyone calls it Comic-Con. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Marvel. Holy fuck. Yeah. I'm just going to bring up the Marvel Phase 4 plan. I went over it a few times, but I just want to have the, um, the pictures that are in front of me. We're getting Black Widow. Eternals, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Thor, Love and Thunder. Those are the movies. As far as TV shows, which will premiere on Disney's XD channel, we have The Falcon and Winter Soldiers, WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty full on. And that's a lot going on. 
And that's just the first three years. We also got announced Blade. That's just the that... next two years. Oh, just the next two years. Fuck. Yeah. The last okay. one on that is uh, November 5th, 2021. Oh, fuck. Okay. Blade got announced, but that's already been confirmed for Phase 5. And also for Phase 5, also confirmed is Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, I want to see where they go with that. Because I've always loved the Fantastic Four uh, mythos, but the last movie was fucking awful. All the movies were fucking awful. The, the first one wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Sure. <laughs> we'll just agree to disagree on that one. But anyway, Black Widow is set to take place pre-Infinity War. So um, it is the starting point of Phase 4. So I'm wondering if it's going to link into any of the other ones post-Endgame in any way. Because it's, it's a weird way to start Phase 4, specifically if it's pre-Endgame. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, play that one off. The main villain for that one is confirmed to be Taskmaster. If people don't know Taskmaster, he's a mercenary that specializes in observing his opponents and then learning, well, I would say copying their fighting style 100%. So that's his whole his whole thing. And as well, um, been confirmed Red Guardian, the Russian counterpart to Captain America, is also in the movie. Yeah. I'm definitely interested to see how they'll be able to link into Phase 4 with the other ones, especially with movies. Movies like Eternals and Doctor Strange, both which will be cosmic and quite possibly, you know, um, interdimensional. Because yeah. it's starting off, starting off Phase Four. I'm think right at the post credit scene would be something trippy as fuck. You'd hope so. Do you know much about the Eternals? Can't say that I do. The Eternals are basically. Um, well, at least in the comics, in the cosmic Marvel and everything, the Eternals were beings that were raised by the Celestials alongside humanity. So they're incredibly oh. powerful and incredibly obscure. Like, there's, yeah. I think, like, 20 books were published about them in 50-plus years. Far <laughs> out. Right. Jack Kirby... Uh, who did a long time writing for DC, writing the New Gods, came to Marvel and pretty much did the exact same thing, but with the Eternals. But yeah, they're very obscure characters. It's Marvel, so it's going to sell. But I'm just wondering, like, how they're going to pull it off. I'm a big fan of comic books, like, huge. And I don't think I've read one book about the Eternals. I just know they appear in other books, but very rarely have a book on their own. Yeah. So from memory, they've been sort of um, mentioned in comics that I've read. But I can't say I've read a book specifically about them. I don't know much about them. Like, I know I recognize some characters, but I don't know their names. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's as far as I know about the Eternals. What I'm really looking forward to is Doctor Strange, though. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Because it, it, with the title, um, yeah. it kind of leans itself more towards, like, a, a Lovecraftian horror. Which yeah. I'm a big fan of Lovecraft. I mean, I'm very, very interested to see what happens. Marvel has already confirmed that it's going to be a horror comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like you said, in the title is a nod to the H.P. Lovecraft novella, uh, The Mountains of Madness. Yeah. And a lot of Doctor Strange's cosmic enemies are very Lovecraft-inspired. Yeah, yeah. So, like, body horror and all that. So I'm just wondering exactly how it's going to play out, but I'm guessing we're going to see some really trippy shit. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that in the first movie as well, so I think they're going to have to carry on and probably try and amp it up a little bit. Yeah. If they're bringing in, like, enemies like Shagarath and other cosmic entities, it's going to be one big mindfuck. Yeah, yeah. Because those are, like, enemies that defy reality, that, you know, bend reality to their will, and, and some of them are as powerful as the reality stone. Yeah. So that kind of mind-bending shit. So it's going to be an interesting take on the cosmic Marvel thing. Yeah. Um, Have you heard much about Shang-Chi? So the two that I have heard the least about would have been uh, Eternals and Shang-Chi. So I'm going to have to get you to fill me in on this one. I don't know much about Shang-Chi myself, but Shang-Chi isn't a superhero. Shang-Chi is a secret agent for the British government, specifically MI6. He's like a Chinese James Bond. Interesting. So I'm guessing this would be more of a spy film than anything else, but what really interests me is that is the subtitle, The Legend of the Ten Rings, and it's already been confirmed that yep. we're actually getting a real Mandarin. Interesting. So not just the Ben Kingsley, like, oh, I'm an actor, uh, uh, the Mandarin is just fictional. No, we're getting an actual Mandarin with the power of the Ten Rings. And the Ten Rings are, well, it depends on which book you read and the which, like, continuity you read. And sometimes the Ten Rings are magical artifacts, sometimes they're alien weapons. But the Mandarin is a freedom fighter slash terrorist. It just depends on how you look at it and you know from which character's perspective it all happens but the ten rings were actually mentioned in iron man 3 so maybe they'll do like a, a callback thing like no no fake mandarin that was actually just a ploy for the real real mandarin and that comes yeah. into effect with shang chi because in recent continuity the mandarin is shang chi's father Right. Because in the 70s and 80s, Shang-Chi's father was Fu Manchu. And you know damn well they're not bringing Fu Manchu back because that was a really racist stereotype. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that didn't age well. Yeah, in recent continuity, the Mandarin is Shang-Chi's father. So, yeah, maybe this will be like a first full-blown 007 type of actual spy film. So not like superhero spy film, like with Captain America, an actual spy film. And then you have the Mandarin with the mystical powers and all that. But And that will be more Marvel stuff. But I would like to see an actual Marvel 007 film if Shang-Chi's working with um, MI6. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sort of... Depending on where they take it from in the comics, I guess, because I I remember reading a little bit about this guy and sort of later on he develops the ability to create countless duplicates of himself. So I'm wondering whether they're going to take it more from that era or they're going to take it more from the martial arts kung fu era. I'm thinking it will be more probably a bit of both. I have a feeling there will be like a little bit of each sort of thing, really. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the one that stands out as a sore thumb, but because they've already done cosmic stuff with Guardians of the Galaxy, so the Eternals are kind of falls into that same thing. But an actual spy thriller is something that Marvel hasn't really done before. Well, you can argue with Captain America, but that was more of a superhero thriller than that. That was still a superhero. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, as far as films, we got Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, this one took me by surprise. And divided the entire fucking internet. Yeah. It's been confirmed that we're getting Lady Thor with Natalie Portman returning. 
Yeah. So we're getting Lady Thor from the comics, and um, yeah. Yeah, I'd never thought it would be Natalie Portman that would take that role, I guess. When she first started in the first and second Thor movies, she, she wasn't great. Because no. you could tell that her heart wasn't in it because I have a feeling some actors are be like, oh, it's a fucking superhero movie. I'm not going to bring my A-game to this. It's just a chick. But as the Marvel thing went on and more and more people seeing how passionate, you know, the series has become and billion dollars every fucking movie thing, you know, a lot of people are yeah. coming back and being like, oh, maybe I was too harsh on this. Maybe I can give it another go. Yeah. In the comics, Lady Thor happened because Thor stops being worthy of his hammer and so someone else needs to take up the mantle of Thor and in this movie it will be Natalie Portman's character which I forgot the name of well his ex-girlfriend really yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, his... I kind of thought it was going to be Tessa Thompson I thought so too but um, no she's going to be a Valkyrie continue being a Valkyrie and uh, yeah yeah like not much has been revealed about all of these all of these movies like marvel just came on stage and was look at the size of my deck and then just unfolded the phase four and phase five plans pretty much yeah like i said blade has been confirmed but that's a phase five movie Uh, yeah i'm really excited about blade and i know it's not happening for a few good years but so far with marvel we've had cosmic we've had you know the stuff on earth with technology we've got magic there's two more aspects of marvel we've yet to see the supernatural with blade with vampires and all that and the whole religious heaven hell thing with ghost rider and mephisto yeah so those are the two aspects of marvel that are still yet to be explored and with blade we're finally getting into the supernatural it'll be interesting to see whether or not people can separate it from from the Wesley Snipes version. There will always be a classic. It's a new era of Marvel, you know, with a rebooted Blade. Like, no one's taking that Blade away from people. Yeah. It's still a great movie. This is just a Blade that's part of the MCU continuity. That Blade is a standalone thing. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, at some point in the future, the Fantastic Four. And with the whole Marvel going deep into space thing, a Fantastic Four movie being confirmed, I think they're building towards Galactus, which I'm really hoping they are. I really hope they are too. Just the logical next step. Like, what's the biggest threat apart from Thanos that you can have apart from going into really, like, obscure characters that are, or, like, really abstract characters like Eternity and Infinity? What's a universal threat that would be Galactus? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I struggle to think of any other, like, in-game level threats. I mean, there's a couple of others, but he is the obvious choice. And I don't know whether he'd be, like, a Phase 4 or a Phase 5. He's not probably going to be a villain until, like, Phase 6. He'll be revealed in Phase 5, and then only in Phase 6 will they do another because i think they're not doing any avenger type films for quite a while yeah yeah especially since they're diversifying into like tv shows for the disney service yeah i'm excited for loki and what if because what if for people who don't know 
what if is a was a brand and still is a brand of comics within Marvel where where they're pretty much Elseworld stories. So like, what if Spider-Man was a part of the Fantastic Four? What if Wolverine wasn't a mutant? What if you know you know what if dot 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 question yeah. mark? I, I feel like that's going to be a lot of fun. I feel like it's going to be one of those Twilight Zones kind of shows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting. And with Loki, we've seen him get away with the Tesseract in one of the alternate realities yeah, in Endgame. Yeah, alternate timelines yeah. in Endgame. So apparently that's where it's going to take off, which that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we're getting Hawkeye because Hawkeye is a very popular character. And yeah. WandaVision, which is obviously with the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier picking up from where Endgame left off with old Cap giving Falcon his uh, shield. And then it's him and Bucky going off on adventures by the sound of it. Yeah, those are the big Marvel announcements and it was a big handful. It was a lot all at once. And the fact that Black Widow was coming out so soon as well, I didn't really expect that. May 1st, 2020. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, really that's still like almost a year away, so it's it's not like they're jumping the gun too much, but it still yeah, feels yeah. very, very soon. But I suppose they want to keep that momentum up after releasing some of the biggest movies ever. Yeah. DC was present, but not the main DC EU. What was present was the Arrowverse DC Universe. Yeah. Where they're building up towards Crisis on Infinite Earths, obviously based on the extremely popular Crisis on Infinite Earths storyline. Yeah. From um, what's been revealed, it's going to be a five-parter, and it's going to be split between the DC shows. So Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow... Batwoman and Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. And you have Brandon Ruth um, playing the Atom and also playing another version of Superman, which looks like it's going to be based on the Kingdom Come Superman, like version of Superman. Yeah. I haven't really paid that much attention to the to the DC panel because uh, I was never a big fan. I like the Flash and I like a bit of um, Supergirl, but I kind of fell off with Arrow and I never watched Legends of Tomorrow or Batwoman. So, so I watched... A few seasons of Flash before I got kind of bored. Yeah. I watched a couple of seasons of Arrow before I got kind of bored. I watched maybe the first half a season of Legends of Tomorrow yeah. before I got bored. <laughs> uh, you can see the pattern here. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't I... really hold my attention. I've always enjoyed the comics for each of them, but the TV shows just sort of... Mm, yeah. They, they didn't really hit home the way I wanted it to. Because it's already been confirmed that Arrow is ending after season 8. So um, maybe this will give the show a a proper farewell with this five-parter. But I guess we'll see. Mm. In the last thing that I wish to talk about in this episode is, of course, the aforementioned Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. What's your thoughts on it? I would have dropped absolutely everything to see this, say, five, six, however many years ago. But now I feel like they're a little bit past these characters. I feel like these characters probably could have been put to rest, but I'm also not mad that they're making the movie. I'm not going to not see it. I'm going to go and see it on release day at the cinema if it comes to cinemas here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do everything in my power to see it as soon as I can and 
I am going to enjoy it no matter what. But I have a couple of hesitations here and there. Which are? Mostly with, I can't wait to see how they handle Kevin Smith now being super skinny. That's going to be <laughs> hilarious to see them handle it. Yeah. I, I'm, I wonder if they're going to try and play it off like Jay never noticed it or if they sort of like don't mention it at all or what they do with that. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But there's the fact that Jay looks so much older now because he was obviously addicted to heroin for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays this youthful, exuberant character when he's not that youthful anymore. He's he's yeah, aged yeah. and withered and... He's definitely lived his life. Yeah. I mean, it does look like it's a bit more of a, of a love letter to all of Kevin Smith's older movies, like Mallrats and all that. I think there's a little bit of Chasing Amy in there. and Yeah, because he already confirmed that Ben Affleck is coming back and that there was this whole emotional story about how Kevin Smith reached out to Ben Affleck after not talking with him for almost a decade and they went back to being friends as if nothing ever happened and he wrote this whole eight-page script for Ben Affleck, which is kind of like pseudo-sequel to Chasing Amy. Yeah, it seems like this movie is really personal to Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, and that's one reason why I am very interested in seeing how this all plays out, because he's had a hard time lately, and he's one of my favorite directors, so I'm absolutely going to go and give this a chance. And I still hold out hope for Clerks 3. I mean, I remember seeing something recently about he's been trying to talk to the guy about it, but... um. He actually mentioned it in the panel at Comic-Con saying he wrote a script for Clerks 3, which was really good, but it was really sad and depressing. And someone told him, like, you do remember that this is a comedy, right? So, um, yeah, he says he wants to give those characters a proper send off and he does want to make Clerks 3. Yeah, I feel like this Figure is out how to do it, I guess. Yeah. I feel like this would be a good send-off for Jay and Silent Bob, and then Clerks 3 would be a good send-off for the rest of the characters in that universe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's definitely dealing with a lot more mature themes, like Jay is confirmed to be a dad in the new movie and him coming to terms with that, and I'm definitely interested to see. I grew up on those films, and it did play to my, like, disenfranchised youth's kind of, you know, view of the world back then. So yeah, yeah it's it's very nostalgic. I, I feel exactly the same way about it. I watched those movies quite young, and I watched a lot of the Kevin Smith movies full stop quite young. Yeah. And he's he's always been really good at doing a lot with a small budget. Like look at how good Clerks One was and how simple yet effective it was. It told a, a great wee story, a really fun story, but it didn't need a big flashy budget to do it. Alright, I feel like we've been talking for quite a bit now. <laughs> That's everything I wanted to talk about in episode seven. What? Mate, you call yourself a Kevin Smith fan. I, I'm not sure it, what that's that, but... literally a thing from Clerks One. Ah, I haven't seen that movie in fifteen years, maybe more, probably more. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> um... it's, it's worth a watch. I watched it recently. Ah. All right, all right. Well, I'll be sure to give that another watch soon. But anyway, like I said, this is the end of episode 13 of the Nerd Nebula podcast. And um, we'll be back with more content soon with our other side projects, which are indeed coming. Until then, I will say goodbye and have a good evening or good morning. And I will say, hail Satan. Very good.